0: the Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Philip Marinello, joined by my friends and co-hosts here, Trevor Aiken, Howdy. And Vincent Edwards.
1: What's going on? And
0: uh, I'll just jump right into it. And our special guest today, that makes total sense, exclamation point podcast host, Alexis Busetti.
2: What's up, guys?
1: What's going on? What is up? So how are we feeling, everybody?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Philip was just like, uh, "Hey, what, what, uh, what guests do we have on tonight? We should, we should totally have uh, Alexis on, right?" And we were like, "Yeah, that totally makes sense." <laughs> nice <Right>. work,
0: <laughs> yeah. Trevor, with the slam dunk dad joke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. I live with a dad who has dad jokes like continually all the time, and and it's the problem is that our youngest is seven now. And Mm -hmm. that's like his prime time audience. And so I'm like, when he ages out, like, I don't know what we're going to do in life for an audience. We're going to have to find other stuff. You're just going to
3: send him to a comedy school, huh? And then your kid starts starts repeating the dad jokes. Oh, that's already happened, man. Yeah.
2: That's like story of my life. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So then you get all the remixes and everything.
2: Yes. Yes. Do you have any that
0: like genuinely make you laugh?
2: No, not anymore. Probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doing the same six or seven, just on rotation. Yes.
2: I mean, pretty much, but you know, it's like really, really sophisticated humor. Like, you know, the bean song at dinner you um, and you know, I mean, things like this, right. So high quality.
0: Uh, hey, yeah, seven year old. Sure. I mean, if, if you, you said you're old, you're uh, youngest is a boy. Yes, I think he'll find that funny for many years to come. If we're being of honest,
2: yes, of <laughs> course. There's no lack of that kind of humor at our house.
3: So, Alexis, for for um, those that maybe don't know, tell tell some of the folks in the audience, like who you are, what you do. Tell us, tell them a little bit about the about the podcast.
2: Yeah, so I mean, that's how we met, right? I mean, we haven't like real met, but that's how we met.
0: I think I was doing research on a guest and just listened to your episode. And started following oh, nice. you. I think that's what happened. Nice.
2: That's nice. awesome. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember. I think we showed up. We just like showed up in each other's feed one day and I was like, man, these guys are cool. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's how we met. But this is like, you know, um, my kind of hobby that was never intended to, I don't know, to be, I guess. So I do host a podcast called That Makes Total Sense, where we explore God's generosity and justice. That's kind of our tagline. Um, my husband edits it and produces it. And, um, he is amazing. It, when I speak with my guests, I tell them that up front. And then there are often times during the show, well, where I'll stop and I'll say, okay, Seth, I'm going to need you to like <laughs> you know break all this up right here. Or like For I sure. say something stupid or like the dog barks, you know, or something. And I'm like, okay. And um, so I'll tell them like, I don't think your name is Seth, but sometimes I may talk to like my imaginary <laughs> husband
1: who's, you know,
2: <laughs> off at work or whatever. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. We live in Houston. We have four kids. Um, I part-time homeschool two of them. Now it used to be three. Um, now I just part-time homeschool my daughters. And then I went back to school, uh, last year, which is like stupid and crazy (laughs) and totally fun. It's like the most fun thing I do, um, in life right now. So, yeah. So that's what, that's kind of who I am and what I'm doing right now.
0: That's awesome. So I'm curious, Alexis, you're at over 110 episodes here with that makes total sense. One of the things that I was curious about as far as like goals when you started versus maybe how they've evolved over 110 plus episodes, why did you start it and like what keeps you going on it?
2: Yeah, no, that's, ooh, that's great. Um. So I never like wanted to do a podcast, you know, like (laughs) I, I listened to a lot and, um, you know, but it was never just one of those things like, Oh yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm totally going to do that. But it actually started. So before we started recording, I was telling you guys about a friend of mine who, um, you know, we were talking about seminary and apologetics and all that. And anyway, she and her husband were over for dinner a couple of years ago. Now I can say that. And at the time I was doing a little bit of like kind of part-time, uh, personal finance coaching, just kind of like Mm. getting my feet back wet in the water of work, you know, after I'd been staying home with my kids for, at that point, it was like seven years full-time. Um, I'd stayed home with my kids and I had done a couple of podcast interviews just kind of surrounding that. And my girlfriend says, Okay here's, this was crazy. I haven't like really shared this like out, but here we go. So she was like, um, she was like, okay, here's the thing. I don't care anything about personal finance Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I don't listen to podcasts, but I just sat and listened to you talk about money for 30 minutes on a podcast. So I felt, I feel like I've asked you this before, and I'm going to ask you again, why do you not have a podcast? And I was kind of like, I don't know what the crap you're talking about. Like, I, you know, it was like one of these, like, (laughs) what? And then like the whole evening, I mean, we, we had had dinner by that point and dessert and all, and we, it just kind of pivoted to where we were like, wait a minute, what? Like, are we actually having this conversation? And, um, you know, we talked about it that night with them, with our good friends, we prayed about it. And then we just kind of kept the conversation going after they left. And, and, you know, from my Hmm. end, it was kind of like, Oh my goodness, I I think I could totally do that, you know? Mm. I'm like I I just really in, I enjoy having good conversation, right? Like I think I'm a, you know, like kind of decent at communicating. Like I think I could probably do that. And then at the same time my husband was like, "Hey, if we think we want to give it a shot, we have like everything we need." Mm. You know, like he's mm-hmm. a musician not by trade, but you know, he's a he's a really good, you know, amateur musician and he's like he has and he's a gear junkie. So like we have all the stuff, right? You know, <laughs> yes, like
0: mic and if the board a- on a computer, <laughs> then you yeah. can have a podcast. I mean, yeah, yep.
2: I mean, you know we had we had kind of all the stuff and so um so at the beginning it was more I knew at that point, I know it sounds odd, at that point even though I was doing some of that personal finance stuff, I knew that wasn't just going to be my bread and butter. You know, um my my first masters is in um organizational studies and social justice. And so that was kind of where Mm. my heart had always been. But this was, that was where I was at the moment. And so everyone was like, oh, that makes total sense. Are you going to do it like C-E-N-T-S? And I was like, no, because I don't want to (laughs) like, first of all, no. But second of all, like, I don't want to (laughs) like put myself in that box. Right. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to just talk about money. I want to be able to talk about a lot of other things. Um, And so we did have a few episodes where I did talk about money, but mostly it was not. It was just kind of like, what's, what's interesting. I grew up in kind of a background where religiously, my tradition was a lot more about kind of having all the right answers. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing that wasn't like, kind of working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of had this little, you know, shift in my, in my paradigm of like, What if I just kind of learned how to ask better questions, Hmm. you know, like what would Mm -hmm. that look like on the ground um, for me? And what if, you know, what if this podcast would be a place where we kind of encouraged people to start asking good questions, you know, instead of being super concerned about having like, you know, all the right answers or whatever. So.
1: Yeah, you're over a uh, hundred episodes at this point of the recording, and you've had some pretty notable people. I would say in Christianum, Justin Gibney. You've had uh, Jamar Tisby, Vince Bantu, had a Boy Show, Um, Show Baraka. Did. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, um, followed
2: you guys up on show. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I guess the the question that stems from that is like, what what's some like gems of information that you've learned from having so many great guests?
2: good night. That's, that's a really good one. So, I mean, we were kind of chatting about it before and Philip, you, you were kind of asking about it. Like I I do happen to have a lot of authors on.
0: You're a reading machine. Yeah. (laughs) I just finished another book in a week to talk to somebody. It's like, good night.
2: Like, well, I mean, that's part of it. It's like the, the, a lot of the learning, uh, you know, Vincent is coming from the conversations for sure. Mm -hmm. But I am kind of one of these where I'm like, I would, I'm like still a little bit like insecure, right? I mean, a hundred episodes mm-hmm. in for sure. I get like nervous every time I sign on and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just need to know enough again to be able to ask an intelligent question. Right. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I say I've learned has come from the reading beforehand, mm-hmm. um, but then it's just like invaluable to be able to process that information with the person who wrote it, right? Sure. Um, so, you know, you mentioned Justin Gibney, and like from the podcast that I did with him, we started talking about Fannie Lou Hamer and yeah. I had just studied her for one of my classes and he just got really emotional when we, were, when we were talking about her. and And so, you know, kind of one of those gems from that conversation was just like, this is not an intellectual-only discussion, right? When we're talking about politics, it's not just about facts or statistics or anything like this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for all of us, I recognize that it's emotional, but there's, there's emotion there. There's history there. There's tradition there. You know, there's um, roots, you know, in us. You know, mm-hmm. who, are we, who are we looking back at and saying, I want to do it like she did it, right? Um, and, and kind of who are we trying to be formed, you know, into? that we can move forward, you know, with whatever it is that we're, that we're working on, you know, whatever Mm. we feel called to. So, so that was an example from Justin's episode, but, you know, I think about, I had, um, Sarah Jackson on from Casa de Paz, uh, in Colorado, and they run, Mm. um, a house where they, um, take in people who are inside of the immigration system and Mm. reading her book was like one of the most eye-opening experiences that i had had. And I just kind of realized, oh, I was just kind of in an uninformed way, not necessarily registering what I was doing. I was just kind of like walking a party line almost when it came to that discussion and that topic. And reading her book, you know, with stories about real people and and kind of how she had some of her views had formed and changed um, and then being able to process that with her online. And, and like you guys talked about before we started recording, that's kind of the cool thing about what we do is we get to do some of that during the recording, but then we get to do some of it, you know, a lot of times off air too, um, where we get to be a little bit, you know, candid and stuff like that. And, and they're, you know, my guests, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. They're just so generous
0: with their Mm -hmm. time um, Mm -hmm. and,
2: and with what they offer us. And so I'm so thankful.
0: Yeah. Alexis, I just scrolled back through all of our Instagram DMs. The very first place we connected was when I won the Liturgy of Politics when you yes. had Caitlin on. Uh, I, uh, I listened to your Caitlin show and I won the books from you. That's
2: awesome. That's what it yes. was. That, I mean, because you guys had Caitlin yeah. too yeah. on the show. Uh, Liturgy
0: of Politics. Sure. It's a simple book. I think it's, it's one of it's my really best good. reads of the year. Yes, and like, agreed. Maybe one of the first books I would hand a Christian who is genuinely trying to kind of parse through the not party line, wanting to care about people and care about God, she's a really incredible voice. It was was a genuinely wonderful book. Like, that's the kind of book that could be very like it could easily go into like cliches or kind of pander or just kind of like be more emotional and like, Oh, we need justice and the traditional da 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 is falling short on these things. But like it, it was simple in a way it was just very, very I- impactful and on point. Like I, I, gen- and the way she handled it too, I could see, I mean, the Holy spirit can do anything, but just the way she approached it and the way it was packaged and the structure and the format of it like I could really see that changing hearts and minds. Mm. Yeah.
2: Oh, I I agree 100%. That book was it was definitely one of my number one reads also. In fact, my copy is loaned out right now. I think I ended oh. up with two and they may both be gone at this Very point. Nice. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and my my dad um his he's a journalist but his graduate degree is in political science and I was like, "You You have to, like, I'm requiring that you read this book, right? (laughs) Like, it was so incredible. I think Michael Ware wrote the foreword of that, and he said something like, You know, you can imagine that your church has basically hired someone to think about this, right? To think Mm -hmm. about this, to research it, and to come back and give you a report, right? And this book Mm -hmm. is that report. He says something, This book is a a gift Mm -hmm. to the church. And I just think about that because I I love the way that she thinks about things and then how she's able to, to communicate it. Yeah. I completely agree. That was one of, one of my best reads so, too.
0: Thanks for the opportunity for winning that book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin and, uh, your IVP rep. That was, that was good.
2: Yeah. yeah uh,
0: one, one of the things I've listened to a number of your shows and I've enjoyed all the ones I've listened to. Um, I know you read the books. Do you have like go-to questions specifically, or do you try to tailor things to each person? How do you kind of approach that?
2: Yeah, I don't. Nice. I don't have go-to questions. Um, what I have learned, um, and I've had some, some authors, you know, because like, like you guys did, we had some, some pre-recording talk, right? And there's always a little bit of that. And so I usually ask my guests, like, what would be a win for them? You know, at the end of this conversation, like, what would be a win for you? And what I'm learning um, is that Many of them are saying, A, a genuine conversation, right? They just want to be able to have a really, really just kind of, you know, heart to heart, good, genuine conversation. And many of them will say, you know, they want to hit what hit me, which is kind of cool, right? So they mm-hmm. want to be able to hit on the topics that stood out to me when I read the book, or they want to be able to, you know, see what touched me or what impacted me and then kind of go. From there, and, and that feeds into the first thing, right? That makes them for a, kind of a more genuine conversation, because I'm actually able to respond, you know, to what impacted me um, mm-hmm. in the book. And, um, and sometimes I will have guests that will specifically ask for questions ahead of time. But in that case, even still, I just kind of go through and I, I try and, yeah, I do try and tailor it. I try and tailor it to just like, what stood out to me? What do I, what's the point I think they're trying to make? Um, you know, high level, not summary type stuff, but you know, what's the overarching, you know, thesis, and see if we can, if we can focus on that. But
3: yeah, I don't nice. know. Does
2: that answer your question?
3: Yeah, let's good one.
1: I wanted to just ask a, a a particular question. The tagline in your podcast it's talking about generosity and justice. God's exploring, uh, God's generosity and justice. And I think, you know, privy to what we've seen recently in the in the last few years, several years, uh, those two things kind of seem juxtaposed or against each other. And so how how did you kind of come up with this idea that I want to merge those two and kind of display that in a way where they don't have to fight each other?
2: Man, you guys pay him the big bucks, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) These are
3: like the good, a large percentage of the payroll that we pay out to to Uh, everyone
0: goes to events. You could could say he gets the one hundred percent.
2: It's kind of like when we used it when I was exclusively staying home. Right. I would I'd like, look at what I did. You know, like i so proud of something I'd accomplished or something. And my husband would come home and he'd be like 50% raise. I'm like, well, 50% of zero is
3: still zero. Do the math. Still zero. Um, yeah.
2: Still zero. Um, yeah. So, I mean, part of that and in, in all honesty, so we, we changed, so you talked about pivot or something earlier. I think Philip, maybe you're asking that earlier, kind of how has this evolved a little bit. So the truth is, Vincent, that that tagline came in part as I was trying to transition hmm. the subject matter of the podcast. Hmm. Um, because, you know, we had started off kind of talking about money and finances a little bit or at least at least leaving the opening for that mm-hmm. to be in existence. Um, and, and I say that, but the first several episodes really didn't have anything to do with it. We only, we only had a few, but um, I kind of wanted to, you know use that as a little bit of a transition because that was something that I was learning at the time, you know, when I was saying how I kind of grew up in a tradition that was really focused on having the right answers. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, some of what that translated to was a bit of a scarcity mindset. Um, Mm -hmm. not just with money, but just with God's goodness, right? Man, there's kind of only so much of whatever it is that God is is, is pouring out or, or that exists and a scarcity mindset can be really damaging to our relationship with the Lord. I think, um, Mm -hmm. when we, when we think that there's only so much that he's willing to give Mm -hmm. or only so much that he's able to give, Mm -hmm. I think that can be really damaging and not everyone struggles with that. But, um, but I think that I realized that that was probably at the root of some of my, kind of faith struggles, you know, was was thinking through that. And so and so that's the generosity, you know, portion in part was mm. was God is a giver. And so mm. how can we, you know, as image bearers, you know, how can we explore that so that we can also be givers and we can be generous um with ourselves. But then the justice part of it, right? Um I started doing a lot of interviews in 2020 where I was like, we're just going to talk about this. And, and I reached out to some people that I thought, I'll just give it a shot. I don't know if they'll come on, but I'll give it a shot. Um, Malcolm Foley was one of those guys, uh, now a doctor, the Reverend Dr. Malcolm Foley as of a, a few days ago. Um, and he was so gracious uh, mm. to come on the show. And, um, and Jamar came on and Daniel Hill came on. I say you had Daniel
0: Hill. He, was, he was a great guy to talk to.
1: <sighs> I, we really enjoyed <laughs> that.
2: Right, he was incredible, incredible. Um, but yeah, just kind of had some of these guys on that um, were having the conversations. They had been having these conversations, right, for for years and years. And um, and I thought, man, if I can if I can jump in, um, I'd I'd love to, you know, talk to them about this. And there's a justice side to God too, right? Like mm. you said. Um, but I don't think that I don't think that those two parts of God are. Um, are meant to be entirely juxtaposed not at all it, <clears throat> it feels like it. Um, you know, it feels like it sometimes, but i don't but I don't think that um I don't think that it is. I think that I think that the justice face of God that we see is uh, his generosity
0: mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. the justice part, Alexis, I got two different kind of questions you can kind of pick how you want to answer them, but Uh, Okay. The two types of people I have in mind. Uh, One is, so a lot of our listeners are on board kind of with like, God is a God of justice. This matters to him. Um, Maybe for those people who maybe are lacking in just awareness and understanding things like that, what's a good place to start for them? And then I know we also have listeners who are maybe say like open, but very cautious. Like Mm -hmm. what are some good starting points? Like you said, you've had a lot of people on, a lot of them have books and a uh, lecture series and other good resources. What are some good places maybe for those different types of listeners to start or kind of throw a third one in there to spice it up um, for maybe our friends and family who maybe we want to kind of help nurture yeah. along in some of these conversations. What are some good places for those various sorts of people to, uh, to start with?
2: Yeah. Um, so I will say, I just want to say like, I appreciate the question and I recognize that this is a thing, right? Um it's an easier conversation for me to have in part um because of my education, you know, my my master's degree um had a very large social justice aspect. And so um I've been having those conversations um for a long time. And so in part I recognize that while some of this is familiar to me, it's totally not to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So I do like recognize that and say, that's totally a thing.
0: A lot of people are coming at it from like with suspicion just because Absolutely. of the, The hey, I'm trying not to use the word tribalism as much now, but just the, the environments that people are raised in and are coming from, they're kind of taught to be suspicious of these things.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, like I, I was working on a project years ago, this is probably three or four years ago, I guess at this point. So pre-podcast, pre-2020, pre, you know, any of this <laughs> stuff and and um, I ended up through kind of a series of, of contacts, getting in touch with a retired pastor from uh, a mainline denom, actually, here in Houston, but um, of, of, of a large church. And so we were having this conversation, and I was uh, talking with him about my project that, you know, we had been connected about. And in the subtitle of this project, I just had the, I just had the words, social justice. And we're on the phone, and he says, look— if you want basically anybody in the white evangelical space to even look at this project, you're going to have to take that out. Like you're, it's,
3: it's,
2: it's, it's going to be a non-starter. Dang,
1: dang,
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of like, thank you. No. Right.
3: (laughs) I mean, at that (laughs) point,
2: you know, because I've always kind of pushed back, you know, in this space. So, I mean, I think part of it is that there, there is, yeah, there's suspicion. Um, But I think a starting place, so I kind of have two, I have two books in mind. So since, since you kind of asked about that, um, one is one that I did, one of my first author interviews that I did early, early in the podcast. Um, the author's name is Jean Bishop and she wrote a book. Actually she's written two, but we spoke with, um, we spoke about one of them and I actually, I ended up reading both of them, but The second one, the one that we talked about, was actually about um, Tim McVeigh's father. Tim McVeigh was the bomber in the Oklahoma City Moros building bombing that Mm. happened in the 90s um, in Oklahoma City. And I was living in Oklahoma at the time. Um, I was in middle school. And so I remember this, you know, well, and it was about Tim McVeigh's dad and the father of one of the victims of the Mm. bombing Mm. and how they um, had reconciled these two fathers had. And Jean has another story that is a personal story of hers that her other book is about. And that is that her, um, her sister and brother-in-law and their unborn baby were murdered. Mm. And um, she tells the story of how she deals with that. But specifically in this book, she speaks of how she deals with the, the, convicted murderer Hmm. and she's had interaction with him. And so when I think about a good starting place for justice, I think about how to the best that we can, how can we envision that God views justice? Um, I think that he is always in the business of redemption and Hmm. restoration. And, um, so sometimes I think that we get suspicious of justice because it feels combative. We have to get someone who has done something and make sure someone pays for something and you can Mm. kind of go down that road until you don't feel comfortable anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, or we can think about this in terms of, yes, God is righteous and he is holy. Um, and he is in the business of redemption. Um, which is, doesn't mean that we don't recognize hurts, right? I think we do recognize hurts, but that's what redemption is. It's, it's a recognition of some wounding that's happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's allowing God to repair and restore what has gone wrong. Um, so that's one place that I would start. Is that
0: grace from the rubble? Was that it?
2: Grace from the rubble. Yes, that was the book that we. Um, and then I think in the link to that, I have the. I don't remember the name of the other book, but um, something about a heart. I feel we'll like we'll put it in um, the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She has a. She has another book out. That's that's great. The one about the murderer. Um, but if people are looking at more kind of a systemic, um, starting place, I would say Dominique Gilliard's first book. It's about the prison system.
0: I was just listening to that episode recently.
2: Yeah. So, but that's a really good one because he talks about, um, that kind of restorative justice as opposed to a retributive justice and, you know, looking at it from a biblical perspective and then also addressing, you know, rethinking incarceration, rethinking incarceration. Thank you, Philip. Yeah. Yeah. On the ground, you know, what, what could that look like even systemically? Right. And, you know, where, why are we in the place we are systemically now? He kind of goes through a lot of the history Mm -hmm. But then thinking about it as a Christian, what could we look toward? Um, Last one, reparations. Duke Kwan um, and Gregory Thompson is also a fantastic perspective, I think, um, on justice. You know, uh, Duke Kwan and Gregory Thompson, I had Duke Kwan on the show, and they talk about this really from the perspective of As a believer, if you know that someone has been stolen from or someone Mm -hmm. has been hurt, what should our response be? And so they don't really go into the practical part at all. It's really just making the biblical argument. Um, Now, they're specifically doing it in the context of making a biblical argument for reparations when it's, you know, regarding the racial situation in America, but it is an overarching argument, that can be mm-hmm. used um you know biblically what how should we respond as christians where should our heart be um when it comes to seeing that someone has been wounded or stolen from what should our response be
3: yeah well wow. yeah just some great perspectives and great um conversations and everything to highlight i wanted to go back to what you had said earlier about kind of transitions and you're talking about the subtitle of the show cuz i i can hear like underneath that there's it sounds like there's a lot of personal transition from from a way of thinking from a from a background from a community and i know that like when you think those thoughts sometimes that there's cost to that as well and so i wonder if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about like that journey like what was a maybe some of the time like how long ago was that you feel like you started on that journey um what were some of the first things that you think were some inflection points on that? And what was the cost, you know, in the real world for you along the way, um, as you've kind of explored these ideas and maybe tried to put some of that in practice personally?
2: Yeah, I won't, I won't like tell my life story here, but I will go back (laughs) just a little bit because for me, it's kind of almost a full circle. Hmm. That's kind of the feeling that I have. So, um, so I've talked about my background just a little bit. I heard, uh, I think it was David French. I was listening to, uh, the Holy post that French, Mm -hmm. French Friday and uh, he, and he is, man,
0: (laughs) they can just call David French every other week and be like, Hey, it's Friday. Come on our show.
3: It was great. Here's some great. ukulele. Listen to it. Yeah, we just can get like clever titles. And be like,
0: "Hey, really brilliant, famous, busy person, come on our show,
2: right?" And then they had it. And then they had a song, right? I mean, part of it yeah. anyway. It was yeah, great. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to the most recent French Friday. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was the first one. I don't know. But it, it's uh David French was on, and he mm-hmm. he used. Uh, he said probably what I would say of my upbringing. We didn't call it fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. But it was totally fundamentalism. He Red called on. it like 100%. neo percent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he called it like neo-fundamentalism, right?
3: Like. Can you relate? We used to joke about, you know, putting the fun back in fundamentalism.
0: <laughs> that was our church.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: No, my church took the fun out of fundamentalism. Okay. So this was <laughs> this is kind of where I grew up. Mm. But I was, I don't even know. I was in this like AP English class, right? In high school. Mm-hmm. And we were writing position papers. And I, one of the things that we, you know, that we could do for our sources was, was do an interview. And so I did an interview with uh, my pastor Hmm. and I was doing a position paper on the death penalty
3: Hmm.
2: Nice. and I was against, spoiler alert. Oh,
3: interesting. (laughs) Just, was that because you were like personally that position or was that just the position you took to write the paper?
2: Yeah, I was personally that position. Okay. Yeah, I was personally that position. Um, so I went and had this interview, and and this now I understand the naivety there. I feel like is understandable because I was a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. So I walk into his office, right? And I, of course, like I had been there, I'd been at church, right? So I I knew, but we didn't talk about stuff like that. Like no one talked about it from the pulpit. We're not talking about this in Sunday school class or whatever. Yeah. So in my naivety. I walk in thinking I can't wait for him to just completely defend my position. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's completely supporting (laughs) my position. You know why? Because he loves Jesus. So he's completely (laughs) supporting my position. He did not support my position. (laughs) (laughs) Like at all. Yeah. Like at all. And it got like a little heated. Now, of course, I was a 15-year-old girl. So, yeah, I mean, like, th- like things are emotional. we need
0: to kill these people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was crazy. And I left and I thought, wow, that did not go well. It um,
0: <laughs> yeah. was not what
2: I anticipated. Yeah. But things like that, this is the bad thing. This is why I would say it's kind of circular. Things like that kept happening to me, mm-hmm. right? Or I kept, I kept, I kept pushing but every time, whether I was 15 or 25, I walked in with the naivety that whoever I was speaking with was going to share at least closely, kind of, somewhere in the realm of my position. They'll be supportive. <laughs> of course, because they love Jesus, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of using that facetiously. But, but really, so I went, um, you know, one of my first jobs out of college was um, doing state casework right wow. so i'm like this place this office it's a state office it's going to be swarming with christians because we are defending the poor and needy and the vulnerable of our society and no it was not swarming with christians again mm. spoiler mm. alert it was just it just wasn't um and not only was that this is fine they were probably they got better paying jobs but <laughs> i was surprised at the pushback though Right. So it's not that mm. just the place wasn't swarming with Christians. It was kind of like, you know, and I wasn't working in the in the welfare system, but my my colleagues were were working like with TANF and stuff like that. Right. I was doing um, child protective services as kind of its own beast. But um, but, you know, it was you you're hearing things about how, you know, we shouldn't be helping these people and, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And this drain on the system and yada, yada. And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. this. Feels like the not what I'm reading kind of stuff. Yeah. This feels like not what I'm reading in the Bible. So anyway, yeah. so things like that kind of kept happening to me. And then I go and I, I get my master's and, and, and think again, you know, kind of still I'm having these. And then I land in white evangelicalism and my views, it didn't change, but we also just didn't talk about it. Hmm. I'm mixed. I'm, uh, Hispanic and white. And, um, and I have of course had experiences of, of Brown, you know, marginalized people in America, but then I married a white guy and with a good Italian name though, with a good Italian name. So yes. So I look, (laughs) you know, kind of generically ethnic. And so people, you know, sometimes would, you know, would guess that I'm Italian or, or whatever, but, um, he didn't. He grew up in a in a white community, um, pretty homogenous, and he had really no context for um, for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so you know, I married this married this white guy from a from a largely white community, we're in steeped now in white evangelicalism, and so I mean, I think you're right, Trevor. I, I think you were the one who asked the question. So, and then when Ahmad Arbery was who got me in 2020. And I'm embarrassed to say that it wasn't anyone else before that. Um, in part, I wasn't keeping up with the news. That was the main thing. I wasn't keeping up in the news. And and like other people have mentioned, like Christians of color are mentioning, everyone before this, Michael Brown was not mentioned from the pulpit, right? Freddie Great, right. not mentioned from the No one's or mentioned, mentioned
0: positively if they have been.
2: Sure. Right.
0: Right. right. Um,
2: and so I'm not keeping up with the news. This isn't happening in my church community. Um, and Ahmad Arbery, I mean, all, we're all of us, right. It's 2020. We're, that's all we can do is be on our phones and be in the news. Right. Um, we're, right. we're stuck at home. Right. And one of my girlfriends commented on, um, on Instagram and she just said, I'm tired. Mm. I'm tired, you know? And that started a lot of the, of the deep personal conversations, you know, processing this with my friends and, and this same girlfriend of mine, she just said, because we're crying together on the phone, you know, and all this, and we're processing this. And she says, Lex, there are people, because I'm saying, what can I do, right? Mm-hmm. What can I do? And, and at the time, of course, I already had the podcast. And she said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but there are some people who are only going to hear this message from someone who looks like you.
0: Mm-hmm. It's true.
2: And I was like, first of all, I don't want you to be right, mm. but I have to listen to you and believe that you're right. Mm-hmm you know, second of all, that sucks. Right. Um, but then it's okay. I can, I can talk about this. I can try and educate myself. I can try and ask good questions. I can try and listen and I can try and encourage people Mm -hmm. to do the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, there were, I mean, I would say, I mean, there were, there were a few costs, right? You know, part of it, I think I was chatting with someone recently and I'm like, look, I think people are done having this conversation. Mm. I think some people are done having this conversation at this point.
0: Yeah, That's heartbreaking. Yeah.
2: I think everyone was interested for a few months until they weren't.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of fatigue for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about, I just wanted to point something out, ask a question, kind of hear what you think Alexis and Trevor and Vince. What I heard you say definitely rings true for me. And my upbringing and my church-going experience, barring the last year and a half or so. um, There is the rhetoric in conservative evangelicalism of, like, we need... To like be salt and light, we need to be in the world, we need to be in the world. Like, vocation was always lifted up as good. It's like not everybody needs to be a pastor or missionary, like, be a fill-in-the-blank, be a be a salesperson, be a teacher, be a construct, like be thing, like be people in society, go out and be salt and light. But like, actually, most of the people kind of did live in that bubble, like you said, Alexis because of your your personal ethnicity and background you got to see some of these things firsthand. I got to as well. Like I grew up pretty low on the socioeconomic level so like I just kind of saw things and I also assumed that like people see these things but like affluent middle upper class people just can kind of live in a bubble and just not realize the injustice going around. So we're called to go out and be salt and light yet functionally we end up isolating ourselves like how can How do we help people realize that they are actually isolating themselves versus going out and being salt and light? And that's for everybody on the call. What do we think about that?
3: Okay. So, what there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a couple, a couple ways. Like, one, you're asking a church question, right? So, we're talking about people in the church. How do we, how do we realize? And, and here's the thing I think at some level, people do realize it. They just don't know what they do about it. Yeah, because like the 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 old adage is there's My size with you, Philip. The the old adage is there is there's always two things you can talk about from the pulpit and convict people. And that's like prayer and evangelism. Prayer and evangelism every time, right? But that's the thing is like if those two things, and especially on the evangelism side, it's because like people know they don't do Enough or whatever that is. Interesting. But I okay, think it's I think also I see because that. we have disciplines that we're not discipling our people in, right? So we just have this general. Honestly, it, but I don't think people realize like,
0: their ignorance. Well, I think yeah. Mm. Well, maybe not. I
3: but I think if we did it right, they would like if we if we educated correctly on that. What I'm saying is, you could maybe tap into. There is maybe a way to tap into the fundamental underlying dissatisfaction people have with their obedience in that area, which is generally acknowledged to exist. There's gotta be some way to tap into that. And then if you could put a positive turn to it such that you had a, Hey, this isn't working. Like expecting you to have water cooler conversations with your coworkers that somehow gets them to what, whatever the plan is come to church or you know, share their life with you or start talking to you as their counselor or something instead of their therapist, whatever stuff like that happens. But like, if that's the kind of the mindset that people are in, and then it just doesn't happen because everybody's too busy trying to do the best they can make money and and live the comfortable American dream Christian family life, then yeah, they, they fall short of that goal. Because it's, it's not really ever pursued in a way that's like connecting with your neighbors, you know, living a holistic life.
0: I, yeah, I don't think that it's even a goal. And I think it's the identity of the conservative equals this. And that's not Good biblically guys. defined. It's like politically and socially defined. Like, I don't hmm. think it's a biblical discipleship problem. I, 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 you can break everything down to that. Like, yes, yeah. it is a biblical discipleship problem, but like, I think it's the identity confusion because He's a very smart and thoughtful guy. And like it took him a very long time to realize, like, hey, like some of these these pastors and authors and speakers, like, they're not this is not a good thing that they're beat banging the drum of like be scared of CRT. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The thing that came to my mind, I heard a Russell Berry was on another podcast where he was talking about um epistemology. Right. And so I think, you know, I think the identity is a, a piece of it for sure. I think it's kind of the, you know, an overarching piece, discipleship for sure. Right. Um, you know, that's kind of what a lot of people are, are, I think, I think rightfully banging the drum on right now is, you know, a pastor or your small group isn't discipling as much as your news network is or your social media, right? The time, mm-hmm. they just don't have time to do it um, because people are on their, are on, you know, their new, their news thing or their, or the people around them you know, are impacting them on a, on a regular basis. But I think part of this identity piece going to the epistemology is that this part of what the identity tells us is that we have everything we need to know from the Bible and from Mm. a plain reading, kind of in quotes, a plain reading of the Bible. Right. And so if I have a brother or sister tell me this has not been my experience, my experience has been that when I am out, I'm racially profiled. My experience has been that when I get stopped by a police Mm. officer, my heart races and I turn the phone on and my mom knows to listen for me, right? My experience has been X, Y, Z, but part of this identity says your experience can't tell me as much as I can learn from the Bible. Mm. And I'm not saying that the Bible isn't valuable, and, of course, that's not what I'm saying. I'm a seminary student. <laughs> the Bible's the most valuable text that we have. Yeah. But what I'm saying is there are other ways to know things yeah. about life. There right? There are
3: other knowledges in the world. And the Bible right. actually, yeah. Which we actually
2: acknowledge functionally in
0: all the ways that we in, esteem expertise in fields. Like. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: But in part— Um, we see this happening, this identity though, we see this happening in other areas too. Right. So I got the question recently because my husband, um, who, by the way, I will just say is like, he, he had kind of his like, oh my goodness moment, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and he has like, he's been devoured, like you think I'm a, reader he's been devouring (laughs) stuff like i cannot even tell you and listening to people's experiences including mine and you know all this kind of stuff and it's just been great and he's just been on this path it's been amazing um now i forgot where i was going with that but um oh i had he's a scientist he's a phd level uh geologist Mm. and um so this was a conversation we used to have when we were in college and grad school is um (sighs) people would always ask him some of these uh like like museum of the Bible style questions, right? Like, so what happened with Noah's Ark, and you know, the kind of things like that. And yeah, what do you yeah. think about? How did
0: his faith survive yeah. learning about <laughs> yeah, science,
2: right? Or you yeah. know, what happened, right? And so, there's not just this question when it comes to our experiences. Are we believing people whose experiences are different than ours, and is that informing how we view the world? It should, but I think we also see with this identity, there's some of this going on too, right? Where well, it doesn't say it in the Bible, and so and I'm. I'm Again, I'm kind of being like binary <laughs> on purpose here, you know, with this yeah, like. Yeah, sure. But you know, well it doesn't say it in the Bible, the Bible so I don't believe say that in the. A
0: current day America has a justice problem, right? So the Bible, how can we really know?
2: Right, yeah. the Bible doesn't say there's going to be a plague in 2020, and I need to take a vaccine. Right, the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't address dinosaurs. The Bible doesn't, you know, all of these things, and so we have a problem. And 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 the and part of the problem with that with that identity, I think is that it's like all of us. We all kind of cherry pick the Bible to a degree, if we're honest. But also, I think that same identity that says your experience or your science or whatever it is cannot inform my position actually does, Philip, I think you were going there, actually does let other things inform its position, Mm -hmm. right? Like politics.
0: Yeah. And um, Stupid, partisan, like talking point machines
1: yeah yeah and I think if we are not being discipled by something like the topic of of culture engaging in culture, if we're not being discipled by our pastors or those who are engaging in that in a healthy way, not in addition to biblical a biblical and healthy way, something's going to fill that spot. It's not that we're not Absolutely. going to get taught we're either going to get taught well or we're going to get taught poorly um but to to Philip's question, you were talking about like how do you identify you're in that bubble. And and as a black man who grew up in black church, um, <laughs> come come to my church and and be at my church for a while and see the poor people who are in our pews and the drunk people who are coming in and screaming at the top of their lungs that they love Jesus even though they are full of alcohol and see these experiences and have these moments of discipleship. And I, I don't think I think that bubble will will at least get some tension. On it because the the neighborhood that I grew up in, church culture that I grew up in, the area that I grew up in it was very different than when I became an adult and then I went into Johnson County in, in Kansas City it was it was super different and and I, I'm thinking to myself if if we are going to be salt and light, um there's not a lot of people here that are and And I don't say this as a pejorative. I don't say that as a pejorative at all. There's not a lot of people who need anything here. There's not mm. a lot of widows. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of the downtrodden. It's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, there's Tesla's in the parking lot mm-hmm. and it's it's <laughs> they they pretty don't even great
0: like. That is really
1: good, Vince. That you know what I that's mean. Very and good. so it's like I so so nobody needs anything really, well, you and you know like, there be somebody who needs yeah. something. Don't get me wrong, but in the narrative it was, no, for like the people COVID,
3: that COVID hit and it was like the The church had all this fun to like. Everybody wanted to help somebody, and they're like, "Well, we we didn't really have anybody who needed it."
0: Yeah, like, everybody, everybody was
3: everybody was politically. To give the people it, yeah. who
0: do need it are demonized. So, like, well, they got themselves in that bad position, right? So right, like, not them.
3: Well, and we're segregated <laughs> yeah. from them anyway.
1: So, I mean. Yeah. I and so there's there's just so much opportunity if we're if we're if we are serious, and I think that's the that's the point that I would press to that believer in having a love loving and generous conversation with them is if if we're taking our faith serious, then the the areas that are disenfranchised, whether you don't boil that person down to statistics that you heard on the news, go. They're down the street. Go talk to them. Yeah. Go be in their company, especially and I think uh, that will yeah. really put tension on that bubble. And at the very least, those like you said, Alexis, those those questions, those good questions will start to pop up. You know, yeah. and it's it and and nobody's going to be confident enough to say, "Well, are you just morally irreprehensible and are you just super lazy?" <laughs> um, nobody's gonna say that. And then if you get to know an individual, you'll see there are a lot of very ambitious, a lot of very like hustle type individuals or just people who are very genuine about their faith and want to do something better, but they are facing all types of opposition. And yeah. they're doing that on a day to day basis. We don't realize
0: realize that like wealth isn't a moral uh, reward necessarily.
1: exactly. So all that to say, you know, to test that bubble, just go into those areas that you might drive around or drive through or drive by. There are other faithful Christians or other faithful churches or other faithful believers who are there. Um, And not saying, you know, you have to go in with a whole bunch of donations. I'll fix it. I'll just give you guys a lot of money. No, it's, it's go do life with them. And you will see how how that bubble is 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 probably not the most helpful thing to stay in. Yeah, yeah. I
3: wanted to come back around to as well the the point about epistemology and just like how do we know what we know and the doctrine of sufficiency. Like you're totally right. There's such an unhealthy approach that we take to the doctrine of sufficiency. Where we, we use a it as the bludgeon for everything, we kind of have addressed it before. We definitely talked, talked about it, so
0: we should do it we've for talked a while about it
3: on it. uh, yeah, I think we talked about topic toss ups, but yeah, it probably deserves a, a heavier length. And and yeah, I think I think people get messed up in that in a lot of different spaces, and people fail to realize too. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about this recently, but like churches really don't originally Sunday school right at church was like school like literal, honest-to-God school. And it's like the church used to know that there's different types of knowledge, right? And I can think of, there's kind of three spheres of knowledge that everybody needs, right? Knowledge of God, knowledge of self, and knowledge of the world. And you've got a Christian culture that's almost anemic on all fronts because instead of all of that, it's like just knowledge of this book. But if you really listen to the book, it would give you avenues and the things that you need on all three, but it's not—just by reading it, it'll give you everything you need for your faith and and life and godliness, right, as it says, right. but it's not going to tell you what your personality is. It's not going to tell you the things that you need to work on. It's not going to tell you what passages are exactly, you know, the ones that really— you need to pay closer attention to to because that's where you tend to struggle. It's not Mm going to tell you what kind of evil that your world is. You know, it's not going to tell you what kind of influences are out there that you have to guard against. It's not going to tell you what sin is being normalized in your life through your culture, through your church through your family. And so you have to go pursue that work and the church should be a place to your point, Alexis, it should be a place that encourages all of those types of knowledge, mm-hmm. even if, and especially if over against, if that's inconvenient in the eyes of the state. And too often the church, it seems like has been just another arm of the state. And, and this might sound weird, but like even in America, you know that's been Very the case so. to just to just tow the national line of we're the heroes manifest destiny and all this stuff, and so yeah, so then everything that comes with that. Now I think there are other people in the faith who don't who in America who don't have that experience to Vince's point, but then we just it, we just have this really convenient tool of well they don't actually have the gospel. Yeah, we
0: we marginalize and and keep our bubble nice and tight. Like, they're out. Oof. Man.
1: Man, well, <laughs> that's an area to end it for sure. Got to be back. This is good, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, Alexis, before we go, because uh, we're, we're coming in on an hour already, um, one thing we always like to do with our guests is a substance shout-outs. This is just a time for you to share with the audience uh, anything that you've been reading, any podcasts you've been listening to, music, books, anything that you've been consuming that has been uh, just edifying and beneficial for you lately.
2: Okay. So before you said edifying, I thought I had
0: it. Or
1: just fun.
2: But <laughs> or fun. <laughs> but I'm like, can I just be a dork right now and tell you just guys like it. really like totally what it. I'm what I'm into right now? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So here's I'll say this first. No spoilers from anybody if you guys have finished the series and if you did you probably finished it 3 years ago so stop because i don't want to hear any i don't want to okay. hear any you're going to go
0: ted lasso uh, yeah, yeah no, was like, oh, we
2: don't have apple tv i just uh today i was on the phone with someone and she was talking about it are like,
0: done in their half hour sign up for your free week and crank I it out i know i need to do there it it's only like 5 bucks so
2: it's not ted lasso for me um it's madam secretary
0: like okay. oh.
2: Netflix. Right. right. So, okay. uh, what's her name? Tia Leone or something like this. So what I like about it, can I, can I nerd for a second and say what yeah. I really yeah, like yeah, about it? Right? So this is, this is the, the series where she's a professor and she comes in to serve as secretary of state. Okay. So I'm in like the fifth season or something right now. I think it only has six seasons. And I've been watching it for a while. And what is interesting to me is there have been several social issues that are brought up on the show, some longer term, you know, that span, you know, several episodes or a season and some are that are just shorter, you know, maybe one or two episodes but I go back, like I find myself going back and figuring out when did they originally air, right? Because uh-huh. this was on a network, right? This wasn't, it's not a Netflix show. This was on a, ne- on a network where, where it aired weekly on an actual like schedule. And so I find myself going back and I've told my husband multiple times, I don't think they're prophetic, but I do think <laughs> they were perceptive. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So they're addressing stuff, you know, of course, now it's all like most most of it is past. But, you know, I will give you an example of one of the short term ones. They had an entire episode where they kind of did a PSA at the end. It's not normally like that. They don't normally do PSAs. But but they had an entire episode where there was a measles outbreak. And it was like, you know, these uh, developed countries. Right. So the United States and Australia and, you know, are all like blaming migrants for the outbreak. Right. And, and it's like this smoke screen are they're, they're blaming climate migrants, right. That's part of the other underlying thing is these people are migrating because their places of their homes are being destroyed by global warming, which, you know, part of the political stuff here, they don't believe it's a real thing. And, um, and so they are migrating and they're being blamed for this measles outbreak. But really what it was, was one of, uh, a citizen from one of the developed countries had been a tourist at another one, and then both of them had had like pretty serious misinformation about vaccines, and so they had a significant unvaccinated population, and and it became an outbreak, um, oh, yeah. you know, and especially affecting children, right, who were not um, vaccinated, didn't have their uh, their MMR or whatever. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like, and so that was another. One. I'm like, mm-hmm. when did the, when did this air? <laughs>
1: like, you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> this
2: did they didn't put this out in you know in October of 2020, right? This was yeah. like. Anyway, it's been a few years. So um, so anyway, uh if that's like, you know, too weirdo political, you can totally edit part of that out. But uh, I've heard about that show. I've never uh never checked it out. That
0: sounds interesting. That's
2: that's one of my favorites right now, is Madam Secretary. And then um and then kind of Dorky again. I'm reading some stuff for school that's kind of like blowing my mind. So um I mentioned immigration earlier. One of the books I'm reading is called Welcoming the Stranger. Hmm. Okay. And this book is um, is on immigration and really gives um, a pretty informed, I feel like, a nuanced um, perspective. But it's not an academic book. It's a kind of a book hmm. for, for churches. And then, uh, let me see. I was going to nerd out again, but I'm not... Um, I'm not going to do it. I'll say this: this is one of the one of the, two of the ones that have really gotten me is um, the Porter's Gate. Oh um, yeah. So I am like, it depends on how I feel. I'm either on repeat with Justice songs or I'm on repeat with Lament songs. Mm. So those two albums, awesome.
0: super good. We got to have them on. I uh, connected with them after Justice songs came out, Did and you? they said, "Yeah, we're down to do it," and they would just. They've been busy. We've been busy. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've got,
2: I've, I've got like one of the guys we're like a mutually follow one another on Instagram and I keep like Very waiting nice. to reach out and I just haven't done it yet. I think I'm a little bit nervous. Like what would I say? Well, Advent
0: Songs is coming out in a month or two. So maybe that I did would be a see good idea. I think I saw that
2: just today. Yeah. No, no joke. That would be, yeah.
0: I know we're running uh, the time here, but also you said you are a huge podcast fan would love to hear a couple of uh, podcast shout outs, whether for fun or for faith or for your hobbies or what do you like? What are some great podcasts? Okay.
2: So if I need to catch up quick, I feel like the daily is kind of my go-to. I love uh church politics podcast with Justin Gibney. We've mentioned him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And
2: then, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Holy Posts lately.
3: Nice. I've uh, had some very stuff of- on.
2: I don't know if you guys are this way but I kind of end up finding myself where I kind of rotate like I'll oh, be yeah. like really into a show for a little while and then and then it'll get kind of on the back burner and I'll go and be like really into another show um, for yep. a little while and then mm-hmm. yeah. So I I'm I'm catching myself. I'm like I don't know, is Holy Post my show right now? It might be.
1: But, yeah it's yeah. a good one
0: our friend caitlin is now like a, a regular a, associate host she yeah. is yeah. Yeah. Cool.
2: yeah 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 i mean sometimes i skip through like news of the butt you know if i'm honest i'm, there I'm there like is. it's just i
0: love i love caitlin's uncomfortability with it <laughs>
3: it's pretty funny <laughs> yes did you see uh have you seen russell moore's new podcast I he have uh, it. Yes. I've, I've seen some of the hype. Yeah, And then, like, revamped it and basically relaunched it.
0: He freaking got Marilyn Robinson on his show, and I was very jealous. And
3: he's got... <laughs> um, well, it's like Phil. It's like brand new, even even since that. Oh, that maybe um, it's his
0: last one then.
3: Yeah, because um, he, he he signed on with Christianity Today, and so he now he has like yes! all their production stuff and like. Ooh, very nice. Um, the, his latest episode, David French and I have our first argument. Got to so, get him on the show. Very fun
2: more Name. david french yeah but i mean i guess i don't know Is was david just somebody shout out to david french right maybe there he's you know,
3: shout out david french shout out to david french
2: french friday so yeah, i've
3: been loving russell moore's energy recently ever since he left the sbcs were like popping off <laughs> hey, <that's laughs>
0: since 2.0 right Dude. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: i can't keep up i can't keep up sometimes i like to just if i don't have time to listen two podcasts. I enjoy seeing what people are tweeting about Yeah, on, you know,
0: Trev, you can feel free to cut this. I'll also give you a big compliment on just the production. I don't know if it's you or Seth. I, your show is one that I like. I don't listen to it like every week when it comes out, but I'll listen to all the ones that I'm interested in. I'll go back and listen to chunks. You've definitely gotten me with some of the ones that I wasn't necessarily like putting on my queue with your, uh, your audiograms, like you pick really great ones and then you tweet them out or have them in your stories. It's like, okay, like that one's going in the queue. Like I think the audiograms <laughs> are, are great.
2: Thank you. Is that, is that the word? Is that what we call them? I don't even know what yes. they're called. Audiograms. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm, I i do not communicate that's that really caused guests, me to
0: but... uh, download some of your shows from like, I don't recognize that person. And I've got 200 podcasts to listen <laughs> to right now. Right?
2: But... No, that's totally Seth. That is, that is a hundred percent Seth, because when he comes in, like, I don't listen to them again, most of the time, unless it's like a friend, I don't You're listen to You're them like again. I'm recording
0: and done.
2: <laughs> after, well, because I have a, you know, I have a pro who does all that for me. Right. Or sometimes I'll come back and I'll be like, wait, you were supposed to edit this you know, so, so sometimes I do have to do that or when I go back and do the show notes, I want to make sure I got everything, but you no, know, Seth listens to it. And I think that's probably why they're so good. Philip is because he comes in with a fresh year, right? Like most of the time he has not read the book. He obviously has not had that conversation. He's coming in just completely a blank slate. And so it really is just like, whatever sticks out to him. And so and It's we've like, that's kept a
0: great that. little forty-five second. I mean, yeah. for, like it's happened three or four times in yeah. the last few months where I'm like, Ooh, like cause you put them on your Instagram stories. Is like, that was good. I'm adding that to the list. Oh,
2: thanks, Philip. He'll love to hear that. Yeah. But I, I think it I think it works because, like I said, he's coming into it with no preconceived notions, right? And so it just is kind of whatever catches his ear. Um, and he'll Dope. he'll usually jot down three or four and then come up with what he thinks might be the best one. So that's awesome. I love, I love
3: it. it. Nice. I'm gonna go ahead and add that makes total sense to my subscribe list there.
2: Oh, you guys are awesome.
3: Gotta jump on that. Some good stuff. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Obviously, people can find you um, on That Makes Total Sense on, I'm guessing what, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts, etc. You named it. And then where would you uh, have people find you on socials or anything like that if they wanted to follow you or tweet at you or whatever?
2: Yeah. So, um, man, when I am not bombarded with studying, then sometimes I hang out on Instagram, which is like, is where we got uh, connected. Philip and I got connected. And that the best one is probably at Alexis Bussetti. no That's underscores right. dots or anything like that. And that will also take you to at TMTS podcast. Um, on all of those, my handles are the same everywhere.
3: Boom. Awesome. There you go. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for the great conversation. Thank you for your show mm-hmm. and and the time and just uh, spending some time this evening with us.
2: Oh my goodness! Thank you guys so much. It was it was a total blast. I'm I'm super super glad you guys asked. Thanks.
3: Yeah. All right. Have a good night. Well, that was a great conversation. A fun podcast with Alexis from. The that makes total sense podcast. That makes total sense. It, it, it made total sense it's to have her on tonight. On it. it really did, and uh, and have this great conversation. We hope you check out her podcast. And uh, if you're checking us out from her podcast, we were glad to have you stopping by. While you're stopping by, my friend Phillips got some stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, well. Uh, as you guys know, Vince might talk about it in a second here. We, we're not working on a script, but uh, the website is out. i have seen some of you com. guys. SubstancePod.com. And the SubstancePod.com um, is brought to you by you guys. Um yes. The folks who are signed up on Anchor for our monthly support, the $5 and $10 a month folks. You are the ones helping the us pod. grow. We got, the, we got the website up and running. So – Listen to this episode with Alexis. Great episode. Go to thesubstancepod.com. Leave your thoughts in a comment. You can make a little profile. You put your name and email in there so people can see it's you. Um, let us know what you think. We're we're hoping that the website. Is uh, we have a really good following on Instagram and Twitter, and they're kind of different. We're hoping that the website can kind of be a centralized place to where the Substance listeners can kind substance of come and together and dialogue. dialogue and and create new content for some of our topic toss ups, but really hopefully build the community of the Substance listeners. We don't have we don't have a cute name for our, our listeners yet. Maybe we're not quite at that
3: level of uh, I think. I think once the the listeners get on the substancepod.com and start interacting, that eventually the, the community name will appear for them. Like I like that become evident. So go to the substancepod.com
0: brought to you by you. If you, uh, if you enjoy the show, if it brings value to you, if it is something uh, put out four or five of these a month, depending on the month, Um, if that's worth five, 10 bucks a month, we ask you to join us there in our anchor link in the show notes Um, or if you monthly support, not really your style, but you want to throw us uh, some bucks here and there, you can do that on Cash App at Dollar Sign The Substance Pod. And if Cash App is not your um, your app of choice, you can just sign up on Cash App using our code,
3: and it just gives us five bucks just for you signing up. So that's a go. free way
0: to give us five dollars. We haven't mentioned that in a while.
3: And if enough people chip in to uh, to join up as financial partners of the Substance. Maybe we can afford to
1: give Vince an actual raise at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not a priority, but it's, I appreciate you thinking about me. <laughs>
0: want to merch train rolling. We yeah. got yeah. a great, um, the Vince and my wife, Anna, shout out to Anna Marinello. They got some great designs up there. So we got some good ideas for merch, get a, get a couple more supporters there. And there might be substance merch in the future. So check that out. If that is something you're into.
1: Yeah, and just like Phil said, uh, the substancepod.com is live. Um, so go visit our website, and there you can get our links in the upper right corner of the screen it has all of our links to the uh to facebook to instagram and to twitter um obviously those handles are the substance pod and the reason why it's important to be on our socials is one for our giveaways we have had some fantastic giveaways that we love for you to be a part of and that's where we love to interact with you as well if you Find yourself not commenting on the actual website. Definitely comment in our uh, comment section on our socials, and we'd love to interact with you in that way. You're going to be able to find our um, guests that we've had or that we will have, and it's just a great way to um, know what we're doing and what we're getting up to. So uh, follow us on the socials. TheSubstancePod.com. Man, uh,
3: TheSubstancePod.com. Check that out. <laughs> but after you're done checking that out, if you're still school and want to send us a nice long email, you can do so at the substance at gmail.com or. Or, or if you're on call. the website
0: on your phone, or if you're on your our phone, phone numbers on the website. You're on give your us phone. A
3: call. You're just like you're, you're of the generation now that, that nobody calls anybody. You know, it's like, what is even did my phone makes phone calls. You might've forgotten about that. but if you just remembered because I reminded you, you can go ahead and and pull up that app. It's probably hidden somewhere on your phone, the phone app with the dial pad and hit these numbers. 913-703-3883. Punch the call button. Let us know your thoughts, your testimonials, your experiences with the show, with life, with whatever. And if it's good stuff... We'll put it on the show. So hit us up. Thank you for listening. We enjoy being here with you guys. We enjoy uh, bringing these conversations to you. We enjoy your interactions on thesubstancepod.com. And we will see you next week.
0: On the substance. Peace.
3: Do, 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 do. All right. Excelente. All right. <laughs> I thought that what? was going to be
0: your transition saying excellente. <laughs> Excelente. Excelente. That was Alexis.
3: <laughs> <No>. Excelente. <laughs> this is an Excelente podcast.
0: <laughs> Little, uh, Danny Rojas hey, there. That was
3: a really dope podcast.
1: Podcast is life.
3: <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: yes. I wish we could get Andre 3000 on here. I wish. Why not? What? Oh yeah, man. Let's do it.
0: Kanye got him and then dumped him like an idiot. So.
3: What? Anyway. Um Trip. Let me. Here we go.
2: Excellent. <laughs> <laughs>